Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the MG podcast. I am very pleased to tell you that Nadine Baggett returns after so much listener feedback of emails, of Instagram comments, of tweets. Finally, Nadine is back. The beauty know it all it has returned and we, we didn't really um, stop. It's 90 minutes, just over 90 minutes of Nadine talking and sharing her incredible encyclopedic knowledge of skincare. Listeners who listened to her first show will know that we talked about the industry, we talked about social media, we talked about how she uh, came up in her career as a television presenter and as um, a journalist on Hello Magazine and now as um, a vlogger, as the beauty know all on YouTube. This time she really digs into her know-how, her, know -how, her real intel, the years and years of skincare knowledge that she has picked up in her work and I learned so much and I adore the way that she talks about skincare and about her approach to skincare. I love how she talks about sunbathing and the fact that um, she wears a big hat and only turns from the nipples down. All of that stuff is just golden. We do talk for over an hour and a half, and so I'm not going to give you an introduction and a breakdown on all of it, because that will probably take the best part of half an hour. But if you are a skincare fanatic, if you have questions about Botox, if you wonder whether aromatherapy oils are really worth it, if you want to know whether at-home laser hair removal devices and the like are actually effective, I promise that we cover all of this, and we also talk about some of our good buddies in the industry. Um, including uh, Caroline Barnes, who's also been on the show, and some other absolute greats. All of the links, and trust me, the show notes are going to be pretty long for this one. All of the, the links to everything that we talk about will be in the show notes. And I encourage you, if you have any questions, please do email me on thebeautypodcast.gmail.com or tweet Nadine and I. I'm at Emma Guns, she's at Nadine Baggett and let us know if there's anything else that you'd like us to talk about and if you would like Nadine Baggett to come back for part three. But for now, I please enjoy our evening of just chit-chat and all things skincare on the Emma G podcast.
demand. It's Nadine Baggett, part two. <laughs> Hello. Hello, and this time we're going to be more structured. Yes, we are. But just as much fun. I, oh, God, it's like the soundbite that is amazing. I've got my little list, but um, let's, list, let's let the listeners know what we've just been doing, which is coming up with our taglines. Okay, so listeners are not going to appreciate this unless you're addicted to the Real Housewives, which... A surprising number of beauty editors, including the incredibly intelligent Joanna McGarry. That made me feel so much better me about too. liking Ratchet TV because no. she's so clever. I was like, okay, fine, maybe I'm maybe I'm actually cleverer than I think because Joe likes reality TV. <laughs> I don't know if it quite works like that. <laughs> uh, so basically, the idea is at the beginning of the Real Housewives, they have a tagline which changes every season, and so it's things like I've got you know, some. Do you want me to? Yeah. Read so, some the, of them out? so the Shannon Bador one is. Life's a bit karma's a bitch, so I don't have to be one. So it's things or, like that, isn't it? When life gives you lemons, put mine in a bowl. <laughs> you're, or, you're such a good impersonator. Erica Girardi, who I love very hard from Beverly Hills, is I'm an enigma wrapped in a riddle and cash. Yeah. I don't understand that one. No, but at that point that the camera always cuts to her kissing her eighty-two-year-old <laughs> billionaire's <laughs> husband's cheek. My favourite, I think the Real Housewives of Cheshire actually do it really well, and my favourite one is Dawn Ward. She says, people want to be me. I am me. (laughs) (laughs) You're in the wrong business. You've got such a good ear for imitating accents. And I have to try and remember, I have to remember the Magali one, because that one is so brilliant, where it's like, you want to don't mess with me, don't mess with Magali. It is just perfect. So, so if, they, if they ever, Bravo Andy, decided he was going to do Real Beauty Editors of London... We'd quite like that to happen, Bravo Andy. What would yours be? So mine would be... I've got several. Okay. But mine would be... Oh, so this is a repeat series, obviously, because you're going to come back series oh, yeah. after series yeah, after yeah. series. Ob- yeah. Obviously. No Caroline Stanbury for you, moving to Dubai and then being no, cut no, from no, the no. series. No, right. okay. Oh, has she been cut? Well, she's leaving. She lives in Dubai now. Oh, that's yeah. a shame. Um, mine would be... <clears throat> and even though it's Beauty Editors of London... Go on. It, I have to do it in an American accent because it's the only way I can perform. Um, so mine would be... My favourite is... It costs less than you think to be a basic bitch. (laughs) So I've got two. Mine is, depending on how I'm doing it at the moment, because obviously my two things on social media always is owning your age and no face tune, no filters. Hashtag no face tune, no filters. Obviously, hashtag owning your shit. Okay, so mine would be, I'm the only beauty editor who's always unfiltered. (laughs) What's your next one? Oh, so I've got one for you. Go on. Because I was thinking, what would be a good one for Nadine? And it would be, don't lie to me about the work you've had done. I can spot Botox from 50 paces. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, nice one. (laughs) Or my one is, aging is tougher on a woman. It's time to man up. (laughs) Oh, Nadine, that is so good. (laughs) And I'm picturing myself in a very tight skin tight dress and then there's the flick of a hair and the turn yeah the dynasty kind of turn to camera the alexis carrington thing so there you go so this is this is how we've still got another one now i can't i think i can't remember what my other one was i think it was some i felt like i borrowed a bit too much from dolly parton's whole it costs a lot of money to look this cheap it was it was going down the cost route again i can't remember if you uh, listeners if you uh, have any that you can suggest 
please join in. We absolutely love it. Our guilty secret is occasionally at night we're tweeting each other. We're not tweeting because we take other. it offline. No, that's true. A lot of the time we end up taking it offline is because we start watching programmes together and we've just had a quick discussion about Vicky Gunvalson and Brooks Ayers, but there you go. Oh, I have to tell you, because I before I went to the loo, because we've been drinking coconut water and so we've both had to do various loo trips before pressing record, but um, I told you my favourite thing about Brooks, because obviously lying... You could find something favourite about Brooks? He came on to Brianna... Yes, I hear. With the line... Go on. Something about, there's a reason why they call me Girth Brooks. And I actually had a little bit of respect for him. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> there's a reason why they call me Girth Brooks. Oh, God. That was from the reunion show, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. So, if you like The Real Housewives, then you'll understand what we've done. And If you don't, I'm sorry. You should have fast-forwarded through that. But... Joe McGarry, this is an invitation for you to come up with your tagline... And if you are listening to the show and you have a tagline that you desperately need to get out, then I think you need to tweet us at, at Emma Guns and are you just at Nadine Bagger? I'm just at Nadine Bagger. There's only one Nadine Bagger. It's such a... There is only one Nadine Bagger. No, it's such a weird name. I never have trouble finding my own dim- domain on any social media. I wish I could identify with having a weird name, but I simply can't. No, strange. Isn't it? <laughs> and I did say to you, I mean, we are friends. And I said to you the other day, I still don't know how to pronounce your surname. <laughs> I don't even bother anymore. I, I know that all of I my... now realise it's Gunnar Wardner. Mm. <gasps> there you go. You there could you introduce go. me on live TV. At school, there is there are friends that I've met like 10, 20 years after being at school with them who will say when they see my name pop up on Facebook, they go, G-U-N-A-V-A-R-D-H-A-N-A, because that was kind of yeah, the, the thing in the, school, yeah. G-U-N-A-V-A, anyway, it was a thing. So, you are back for part two yeah. on the show, because so many people have requested it. That's strange. Hands my, in air. My Instagram feed has been full of it. We actually have one... Have you got questions from them? No, I don't think I have. They're okay. just, I don't think... Well, well, the thing is, we didn't get round to chatting about that much about beauty. We spoke a lot about the industry. We yeah. spoke a lot about social media, but we didn't actually talk about beauty. And since we've done it, obviously, I've now got to this point where I've got enough subscribers and followers where I can spend two hours a day answering people's questions. Yes. And it's made me realise that actually there's so much disinformation out there. Mm. And that, and I hate to say this because obviously I've been a beauty editor my entire adult life. Magazines aren't really answering questions properly. I just think a lot of women are really lost. So I just thought we'd bust mm. some beauty myths and ask some questions. And also lost through no fault of their own. No. Through an absolute... Um, bombardment with lots of different information. One magazine will tell you this, another one will tell you the other. One YouTuber will tell you one thing, another YouTuber will tell you another. Yeah, so they're just genuinely lost. And then brands just are about selling products. So you get... There's just too much choice and not enough fact-telling. Or, as somebody said to me the other day, you really could have called yourself all beauty, no bullshit. (laughs) That's your tagline. I'm all beauty. No bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. So, yeah, so that was one of the things we were going to talk about, we were going to come back and talk about, because... Or, sorry, don't bullshit me about your Bodox. (laughs) We've started now, haven't we? We So, basically... Uh, yeah, it's about owning it and, and answering questions. And I've, sometimes I'm just really shocked by the 
the level of questions people ask me because it's like even really basic information mm. about how to layer skincare or whether to believe all the misinformation out there. And it just, it is really shocking to me because partly I think, who the hell's been reading my copy for the last 25 years? Boo-hoo, nobody's <laughs> been reading it. But also, actually, it's really easy to help these women and they're really ah, appreciative. But that's, that's really tapped into something. So people have been reading your copy and they probably have been picking up information, but not in the way that they have now where there's so much of it around. I think in the past, a lot of people got their information from brands, from yeah. point of sale, from adverts. Yeah. You know, you'd hear... 93% of women, in, you know, we're talking about a 30 second advert that's on in between Coronation Street or something. And so that's where they get their information. That's where they find out that something's good. But actually what they're finding out is good is a brand's message, not a, a product's component parts. There's nothing that drives me more crazy than the disinformation, the belief that you only get what you pay for and that it should come into come in a cellophane wrapped box in a hugely expensive jar with a little spoon mm. that you somehow anoint yourself with because one <laughs> of the most important things about skincare and I don't mean a moisturizer a moisturizer is a moisturizer is a moisturizer you don't need to pay, pay lots of money for it it'll come in a tub and all it does is hydrate your skin and it basically just forms a barrier function between your skin and the outside world so your skin can hydrate itself from within that's all that it does a basic moisturizer don't spend loads of money on it that can come in a tub okay that you unscrew the top off everything else everything else has to come in an airtight mm. container that is protected from oxygen water uv light it just has to mm. otherwise essentially it's a cosmetic in the true sense of the word as in it's not really delivering active ingredients that work because the so active ingredients can't survive and because yeah, they're because active ingredients that truly work and i don't mean oils and hydrators and things like that but vitamin c retinol all those things essentially have to be protected from mm. the light and from water and the minute they get on your skin they go to work mm. and hopefully they get penetrated fairly quickly but for me i remember interviewing paula begwin who's the founder of paula's choice and she said to me you know if you're looking for serious skincare, the first thing is look for an airtight container. Mm. And it doesn't have to cost the earth. Olay number seven, they come in airtight containers. It's not about how much you pay for them. But if you're serious about your active ingredients and you want them to have a visible effect on your skin, they have to come in airtight containers. And it's very, you know, one of the ranges I've written about most recently and vlogged about most recently is The Ordinary. Mm. And I love what Brandon does, who owns Desium. And I love what The Ordinary is doing, which is it's taking active ingredients at a concentration that work on the skin but they all originally came in dropper bottles even if they were opaque dropper bottles and he's now in the process of repackaging them into tubes which are essentially as close as you can get to an airtight container but still sell it for under 12 pounds because i think even he realizes that's what you do people they want to travel with them you know they, they're fairly small packaging so you can use them quite quickly so they're not going to oxidize but if you're serious about skincare, so if you look at all the ranges I really love that work really well, and if you go into a dermatologist's office, they're all in opaque, airtight containers. Mm. They just are. And I think it's one of the most basic rules when you buy decent skincare. It's like doubled walled cylinders, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you and and ideally they should come in a pump action, mm. and the pump should be absolutely uh, measured to how much you need on yes. your face. It's not about sticking your dirty fingers in a jar, mm. scooping loads out and overusing it, sticking the top back on, 
putting it on a shelf, probably over your toilet, which isn't the most hygienic place, in a really hot, sweaty bathroom, and then opening it up again and sticking your fingers in it. Again, who knows where your fingers have been? Mm. It's not hygienic and it's just not efficacious. Those products really aren't going to deliver anything more than a bog standard moisturiser. And cleansers are fine like that. You know, mm. can have balm cleansers and all that sort of stuff. But cleansers are just there to do that job. They just cleanse, just like a moisturiser moisturises. The minute you use efficacious anti-aging skincare, it's got to come in an airtight pump. So this is the thing. So last time we actually talked a lot about, or a bit more, I should say, about colour cosmetics. Yes. And we had to halt at the point of, in the next show, skincare. Yeah. So I wanted, and I actually... Because I'm really passionate about skincare, and I Mm. think it really drives me mad that when you tell people what you do for a living, you get one of two reactions, which is you get the reaction that is skincare doesn't work, it's just superficial, Mm. nothing goes in your skin, or you'll get the organic eco brigade going (laughs) everything you put on your skin ends up in your liver oh my god like make up your mind doesn't it work does it work does it absorb doesn't it absorb it does absorb but it only absorbs a very small way into your skin but you can make a real difference with skincare and i'm living proof you know i've been using these products for 25 years and i've slept in my makeup for the vast majority of my 20s and 30s some bathed through my 20s and 30s but my skin looks quite good because certain skincare products work okay so what's your abc of skincare what does work okay so uh, there are certain key ingredients and do you know a mate of mine that works for feel unique said to me the other day what's the best bit of skincare advice you ever got growing up and i said my i grew up with a mother that wasn't interested in skincare or makeup so i never got any advice and i wasn't one of those really cool teenagers or people in their 20s that looked beautiful i had bad hair and bad makeup through most of my teens and 20s because you learn by mistakes and I only really learned about beauty by becoming a beauty editor and paying attention and I learned everything I know from the experts from dermatologists hairdressers makeup artists the people who really know and are at the cutting edge of everything every single day it's their business and the most important thing is just oh my god read the ingredients list read the packaging and google it the information is out there for everybody so when somebody says to me what's a retinol I went what do you mean you haven't googled it like what what does vitamin c do what do you mean you haven't googled it all the scientific abstracts are out there all the labels are out there and I just think have a really healthy sense of skepticism so there are key ingredients that will come up time and time and time again there are exfoliating acids so salicylic acid glycolic acid lactic acid azelaic acid proven to work they resurface your skin some are anti-agers, some are anti-acnogenic, so they cleanse your pores. So, And just to put a point in here, a lot of people, when they think exfoliation, they think of physical scrub. Yes, so so that's back in the day we all had Apri, which was a walnut scrub. Yes. You know, that's what we all had. And the duo-sided pads. Yes! All that sort of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with a physical scrub. Mm. Some people still like physical mm. scrubs. And they're brilliant for your body, but generally I prefer what is known as a chemical exfoliate for your face. So you put it on after cleansing, at night, you wipe it on your face. They call them toners, but they're not toners in the sense that we used to have toners. They're resurfacing lotions that you put on your skin and you're sleeping overnight. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, if you've got acne skin, something like azelaic or salicylic, salicylic is attracted to the oil in your pores it will seep into your pores and clear them out and it will get rid of blackheads and it will get rid of congestion and you can buy that above two percent over the counter yeah and you know back in the day there were the clinique clarifying lotions Mm. 
Now, I'm not particularly a fan of all the original formulations because they've got alcohol in them, but they've got a sensitive skin one now, which is salicylic acid based, which is completely alcohol free. And it's a brilliant product. It's a great high street product. Most skincare ranges, if you're serious about it, will have a product from that range. Mm. Um, And they're proven to work. Those ingredients have been around for absolutely ever for like 30 or 40 years. They're gold standards in peels and they're gold standards in resurfacing lotions. They just are. So if you've got any problems with your skin, if it's rough, it's grey, it's dull, if you've got um, blackheads, block pores, spots, first thing to do can change your skin. You can get spray on ones for backs, for back knee. I mean, these things are amazing. Then you can also use those in body lotions. So, for example, Amelia for keratosis pilaris, a red bumps mm-hmm. you get on the back of that's lactic acid. Put it on your skin. You can use glycolic acid on your body. They're really hard to find, these products. I don't know why they don't put them in more skincare ranges for your body. But they will get rid of dry, scaly skin. Don't stick oils on you. Don't stick moisturise on, on you. You're just layering those products You're sealing over. that skin condition in, aren't yeah, you? You're sealing in the dead skin cells. Mm. What you've got to do is get rid of the dead skin cells and then anything you put on top will penetrate further. And then you've got to look at key vitamins that work in the skin. So niacinamide is a vitamin B12 that's absolutely brilliant for energising the skin and helps get rid of pigmentation. Vitamin C, at percentages above than 20%, is clinically active within the skin. So it doesn't just work. If you put it at a low level in a product, it'll protect your skin from pollution and sunshine. But if you put it in at 20% and use it at night, it's clinically proven to stop overproduction of melanin, so it'll get rid of pigmentation, age spots over time, it'll brighten the complexion, it's a really strong antioxidant. And it's also absolutely essential for the body's natural formation of collagen. Yeah, no, all these things. So collagen and uh, vitamin C and zinc as a supplement are essential for the production of collagen. So I developed stretch marks when I was 13 or 14 off the top of my hips because I'm 5'11 and I grew up really quickly, purely because when I was that age in the 70s, I wasn't getting enough vitamin C and collagen and uh, zinc in my diet to form enough collagen to cope with the rate at which I grew. Seriously? Yeah, absolutely. See, so you can apply it. Bad a oh, bad rap. They, but they, they mean, you know, they're not attractive. Mm. Let's own this. But 90% of women have them. Mm. You know, I've got girlfriends that have got them on the back of their calves and girlfriends that have breastfed that have got them on their breasts. And Beyonce has got a massive one on the top of her thigh. Has she? Yeah, absolutely, where her skin stretched across the top of her thigh when she was pregnant with Blue Ivy. And you can see it in the pictures where she announces uh, that she's pregnant with twins. And I've interviewed her close-up, and you can see them on the top of her breasts here. So, I mean, one of the best things that happened to me was shooting with supermodels who were super tall when I was in my late 20s as a beauty editor and realising that most women who are super tall have stretch marks. It's Because their, their bodies literally cannot cope with the rate at which they grow, and that's what happened with mine. Mine aren't about growing wider, mine are about growing taller, and my yeah. boyfriend's got them in the small of his back. If I find something that gets rid of them, supposedly fractional laser is going to be developed to get rid of them, and uh, they're beginning to develop one in the States. But if I can find one, trust me, I will be vlogging about it. <laughs> People need to own them. Live um, from, yeah. the, from the table. Oh, oh I trust me, I will get, be getting my thighs out to prove that it works. Um, but yeah, that's a lack of taking it orally. Mm. But you need to have a decent diet and put them in topically. So then, so you've got vitamin, 
niacinamide, which is vitamin, a vitamin B. And that's having a moment now, isn't it? I've noticed that, that people are really focusing yeah. on that right now, yeah, even though massive. I think it's been around for ages. No, but I think the thing is, is brands, the brands I know and trust are the brands that label it on the front. Mm. So they don't talk about, you know, they do talk about lightening and brightening, but I think knowledge is power. Mm. And I just think if you're looking for a vitamin C product, it needs to be on the label and it needs to have a percentage after. And mm. it's the same with retinols. The retinol is vitamin A. It's the gold standard ingredient. It's the ingredient that boosts collagen production, normalises blood flow to the skin, normalises pigmentation, normalises collagen production. You know, it's the thing that's prescribed for acne in the form of tretinoin, and you can even take it as a tablet. Um, it's just the gold standard anti-aging ingredient. It's vitamin A. It normalises every single function of your skin, repairs some damage, you can buy it over the counter as retinol or you can get it as a prescription. But if you're going to use it, look for a percentage on it because you're looking for one or two percent because otherwise it's not really clinically active. You can stick it at the bottom of an inky ingredient list, an ingredients list, where it's right at the product. bottom. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, it's got to be in the top 15 ingredients and ideally, it's got to have it on the front and it's got to have a percentage after it. Because, listeners, I texted Nadine the other night because I had been using for the first time ever actually a retinol night serum and I wasn't really sure what I should be experiencing but it just you weren't felt peeling were you I wasn't peeling yeah so obviously I text Nadine because as you've already as you've already gathered she knows what she's talking about and you said but I sent you a picture of it and showed you the front showed you the percentage and you said if you're not peeling it's not working the thing with retinol is okay it depends what percentage you're at and if you've got sensitive skin and you've never used retinol, if it's the first time you've used retinol, the chances are you probably will start to peel slightly because it boosts the turnover of skin cells. Mm. Um, it's not technically an exfoliant, but it's basically turning, boosting the turnover of skin cells. And if you've got super tough skin, you might not peel, but you should be noticing some reaction within your skin. Mm. Now, there's one of two reasons for that. Either you're not using it at a percentage that's high enough and you really want to be looking at 1% or 2% minimum mm -hmm. retinol really or and this is one of my other really big bugbears okay. is if you're double cleansing and you love an oil followed by a balm yeah mm -hmm. and then you use a water-based retinol afterwards a water is not going to penetrate the oil afterwards so essentially what you need to do is double cleanse by all means but then you need to need to use something a cleanser that will cut through the oil and the cream you've put on your face see i thought that was brilliant intel because if you put an oil on anywhere your body yeah and then you splash water on the top the, the water will sit up won't it in globules mm, yeah. you know like when you put your son's spf on and then you come out of the water yeah. and the water sits in globules that's what your serum's going to do afterwards it's going to sit on the surface of your skin it's not really going to penetrate so if i'm double cleansing i should do i can use an oil yeah so what i would do essentially is i would double cleanse if you love to double cleanse for whatever reason and then you could use a salicylic or a glycolic toner mm -hmm. that will wipe the surface of oil off your face and then give you the ability to penetrate the retinol interesting See, I think a lot of people have got double cleansing thinking it's really good for my skin, but perhaps it, but it not is really good. No, I mean, double cleansing in the morning is, is a great thing to do, or double cleansing is great if you've got incredibly dry skin and you wear a lot of makeup because a lot of girls are wearing a lot of makeup and not cleansing their mm. skin. And the principle of oil, of 
dissolves oil makes sense I totally get that so when I double cleanse I use a sort of cream or a balm or whatever and I rinse it off and then I then use a non-foaming water-based rinse off cleanser or a gel or a glycolic cleanser to prep my skin for you wouldn't use a micellar water I use micellar waters around my eyes, but you always have to rinse off because there's nothing new about micelles. You know what micelles are? They're detergents. Oh. No. They're little particles of detergent that absorb oil. Why would you leave a detergent on your skin? People will tell you micellars shouldn't be rinsed off. I did a vlog about it and I've got hundreds of comments from people going, oh my God, I have red itchy eyes and I couldn't work out what it was. Now I rinse off my micellar cleanser, the red itchy eyes have stopped. And micellar is just a posh name for a detergent. That's like putting your soap on your skin and not rinsing it. You have to rinse it off afterwards. You have to rinse all all detergents off your skin. They have to be rinsed off. So I get the attraction of oil balm cleansers Mm. because they're not detergents. Mm. But if you're going to put something that is water-based or in a water-based delivery system or a hyaluronic acid based delivery system mm. afterwards it's not going to get through the oil a little bit will but not as effectively isn't that interesting so if you look at some people who do their kind of facials on uh instagram or they do their here's my skincare regime of the day then if you double cleanse with an oil and a balm you're going to need to cut through that balm before you can deliver an active and certainly uh, a serum based active if it's an oil based active it's fine an oil will go on the top mm. an oil will sink through oil but water won't sink through oil water floats on oil so you could potentially just be wasting your yeah. investment yeah you, then you'll go to bed and it will just it'll either evaporate off your skin or it'll go into your pillowcase if you love oils and you layer oil after oil after oil after oil it makes sense mm. but oil and water don't mix for a reason no in skincare, they need something called a surfactant to mix them. So what makes you think they're going to work on your skin? They're not. It's they a surfactant don't what they you put will... in two-in-one shampoos. Yes. Yeah, surfactant is basically, if you use a lotion that is a mix of oil and water, it has to have something called a surfactant on, and the surfactant breaks down the surface barrier of the oil so the water and oil can mix. So I totally get if you've got dry skin. By the way, only 10% of the population technically have dry skin. Ah, no, I'm glad Genetically, you technically, percent have dry skin, okay? So if, you, if you've got dry skin, and you can always tell a dry skin because it'll be virtually flawless and poreless, you won't see any pores, and they hardly ever get breakouts or spots, obviously, because mm. they're not producing enough sebum, um, and enough ceramides, which are the, the, the cells that stick the skin cells, skin cells together and keep water in. So if you're that person... In some ways, it's, it feels dry and tight and uncomfortable and it's prone to redness, but you will have that flawless face with no pores and no shine, which is really beautiful. Um, then, yeah, stick oils on and stick as many ceramides on and stick as many balms on as possible. But if you're using them to cleanse and you haven't got that skin type, then you'll need to cut through them at some point to deliver an active, in my opinion, unless it's an oil-based active. So... for People who think that they have dry skin and don't have dry skin, what skin type do they actually have? Combination or oily or prone to oily. What about dehydrated? So I thought for years I had dry skin, but I didn't. I'm terrible at... I was for a long time really bad at drinking water. No, you can drink all the water you want. It will not end up in your skin. Sardines? Sardines will. 
But you can drink all the water you want. It will not end up in your skin. So tell me why. So I interviewed Dr. Dennis Gross the other day, and I said, what's the biggest skincare myth? And he said that if you drink water, it'll hydrate your skin. It doesn't. Your skin is your largest organ, but it's the last organ to be fed from whatever you put internally into your body. Think of it logically, okay? Yeah. So you put water. Yeah, yeah. You put vitamins, you put minerals, okay? Your skin is essential, but it's not essential for life. Yeah. So your heart, your lungs, everything will take it. And the last place it ends is your skin. Now, the way your skin hydrates itself is, hopefully, if it does, if it produces enough ceramides and sebum, the thing that basically locks the water in, eventually the water will go from the blood and pass into the skin cells, yeah, eventually. But what your skin actually does is it takes the water out of the oxygen, out of the air, around you. That's how your skin hydrates itself superficially. So you have to make your skin function in a way where it's optimised to suck the water out of the air. Yeah, so it needs to suck the water out of the air and then trap the water once it's in, which is why when you fly, your skin dehydrates. Mm. You can drink gallons of water, it's not going to make any difference. Your skin hydrates from the air around it, so it absorbs it, which is why if you go to a hot, gorgeous, humid climate, your skin looks amazing, even though you're in the Caribbean, probably not drinking enough water and drinking cocktails every night, your skin will look great. And yet you go... That's why you don't get as drunk on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> not just because they water down the alcohol. And I, you know, for years and years and years, people drink loads of water, but you cannot hydrate your skin from drinking water. One of the ways that, for example, Howard Murad says you can hydrate your skin is by something called contained water. So you eat foods that are rich in water, so fruits, vegetables, uh, things like lean protein, so fish and chicken, mm. which is, has a fairly high water content. And what that will do is slowly drip feed your skin from mm. within. But when you drink a litre of water, all you're doing is flushing your kidneys. Your Fluid levels in your blood are very, very, very carefully controlled by your body. Otherwise, if you could get water in your blood and delivered it to your skin, your blood pressure rate would go up and it would pass the blood-brain barrier. Your skin, it's, it's so superficial to what is going on in your body, you cannot do it internally. So what you do is you put a hyaluronic acid serum on your skin, that attracts the water out of the atmosphere and then delivers it to your skin. The, the surface layers of your skin mm. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the deeper levels of the dermis. I'm talking about the surface layers of the skin you can see. And, and I know there will be a whole host of people screaming at me that this isn't true. This is skincare it's doctors science, telling though. me. This is science. So this is Dr. Dennis Gross, Dr. Howard Murray telling you, which is why you put hyaluronic acid, mm. which isn't a resurfacing acid. It's purely a natural moisturising. Yeah. yeah, it's a natural moisturising factor that's found in the skin that locks water into the skin. It can carry a thousand times its own weight. It's in molecular water. weight in water. Yeah, mm. and there are things like urea, which is another natural natural moisturising factor, which you can also put on your skin. Again, ingredients that are proven to work. So <laughs> it's not that difficult. It's really not that difficult, honestly. It amazes me that there are beauty editors out there that sat through the lectures that I have and it hasn't sunk in. And this is the thing that the beauty industry is trying to con you to do. It's trying to con you into buying something that has been sourced from the mountains, the Himalayas or the depths <laughs> of the ocean floor or a rainforest somewhere <laughs> in Madagascar, an obscure plant ingredient. There are already... 
20 or 30 ingredients out there that are proven to work that are brilliant and they're all your skin needs and you don't need to spend a lot of money for them and that's why you did uh, your um vlog on the ordinary was really interesting because a you don't do vlogs on just a single brand. brand no and it was one of my most popular ones and it's because but they do exactly that yeah proven brandon is the founder it's an incredibly disruptive clever i i wrote a feature in hello about the beauty rebels and he's a real rebel and he's his aim is to blow the industry blow the lid off the industry so in creating wide open in in creating desiem which is his fairly high end skincare range he went around sourcing active ingredients that worked and he basically found that hyaluronic acid and retinol and vitamin C are really cheap. A lot of these things come from the food industry. For a start, vitamin C comes from the food industry. And so basically, he worked out what the markups were on these products. And he said, you know, Nadine, it's, and he swore, shocking. It's shocking. <laughs> and I did then did a piece the following week about beauty dupes in Hello!, you know, his hyaluronic acid serum, which tightens as it dries on the skin, mm. is, I think, £4.80. Yeah. It's virtually identical to products out there that are two and £300. They are creaming money out of people. And that's what I don't understand. I find it really interesting that really intelligent, smart women who research, you know, the best gym to go to and the best food to eat and the best sofa to buy and the best house to buy in the best area... Mm somehow think that beauty is superficial and doesn't deserve to engage their brain and they literally buy bullshit from companies because it costs loads of money and it must be amazing and it's got a miracle ingredient in and I just think you're you're absolutely crazy to do this there are I mean I'm not saying I wouldn't spend 150 pounds on a great retinol serum or a great vitamin c product for 90 pounds but I think once you get to the 120 130 pounds thing you're still working out that you're paying a lot of sales, packaging, marketing budgets. Mm. You really are. And if you're going to pay that sort of money, it's got to have a clear indication that it's going to work and it's got active ingredients at a percentage that are going to have a physical, visible effect on your skin. Well, that was the thing about the vitamin C because it's the fact that it was over 20% is, only, is when it's effective. It's clinically active, yeah. But I've seen lots of vitamin C or products sold to me as containing vitamin C for years. I'm never worried about the percentage because all I would be told in these same presentations you've been to is contains vitamin C, which is does X, Y, and Z in yeah. the skin. But the the absolutely crucial factor that has missed out is when it used at this level. When used at this percentage, yeah. And also, you, what you've got to realise is vitamin C in skincare is a preservative. So a lot of companies add it to their skincare because it, it works as an antioxidant, so it protects the product, it stops it going off. But they can say it's got vitamin C in it, and it can have vitamin C at 0.0001% that's not clinically active in your skin. But and also, in the vast the... majority of products, the active ingredient is water, because water is 90% of the active ingredient. Mm. And it is clinically active because it will hydrate your skin when it goes on there. If you wash your skin in the morning, your skin will look better after you've washed it because your skin will absorb the water from while you're washing your skin. I mean, you know, you go in a bath and you know your fingers wrinkle, yeah? yeah? And you think, oh, that's dehydrated. That's not. That's your skin absorbing the water out of the bath. That's hyperhydrated skin. That's not hypohydrated. So that's not dehydrated skin. That's your skin absorbing the water out of the bath. Your skin's really good at absorbing water. That's its job, essentially. So it was all... I remember when I went to Ibiza at the end of last year, 
I didn't even notice that we had a dehumidifier in the room. And Katie, who you know, kept saying how good her skin felt. And I bought some products along and I was like... You mean a humidifier? Yes, exactly. Sorry. No, one of the most important things you can do is sleep with a humidifier. I'm thinking of buying one. I think no, it makes this a was a difference. dehumidifier because oh, it was okay. so humid. Oh, right, okay. But in this country, getting a humidifier yeah, would be totally. amazing. But we were emptying it like three, four times a day. It was quite a big one. And she was saying, have you not noticed that your skin's much more, much softer? And I was like, no. I thought my moisturiser working better in the heat. <laughs> so she's just, no, Emma, the air is wetter. Yeah, totally. And it's so good for them. And if you look at countries that have really humid environments the women age better as well so if you look at somebody that lives up the top of the himalayas as opposed to somebody that lives by the sea you know brazilians that live at water level will age better than you know somebody who lives in bhutan up the top of a and that's that's and we move to the coast oh absolutely it's an excuse to live somewhere really hot and humid though obviously heaven knows what would happen to my hair So bad for your hair, so good for your skin. Yeah. So it's just, they're just those myths that people think about, you know, staying hydrated. I mean, it's important to stay hydrated because it's important to stay hydrated for your body, but not for your skin. I think, again, I feel like I've given facials a bad rap this week because I saw Vishali yesterday and was just like I'm never I never want anyone else to touch me that woman is amazing well I interviewed Rosie Huntington Whiteley the other day and oh who said, sorry yeah just got that into the conversation and she said to me oh my god Nadine and her skin was playing up slightly I mean not much I mean she's so beautiful and she said I'm in London for two weeks where do I go for a facial and I went well what do you define as a facial She's, I said, do you need your chakras balanced or do you want somebody to work on your skin? And she went, oh, no, and I love this. I don't want a nana facial, she said. Oh! And that's... Trademarking yeah, that. I'm loving it. I don't want a nana facial. And I told her where to go because I do think there are facials that are pleasurable and there are facials that give visible results. And, yeah, I'm all about extraction, peels laser IPL you would have been so proud of me yesterday so I hate I normally hate facials I get really agitated when I have them and um I went to Vishali yesterday and she did microdermabrasion and then she used the um frequency yeah the radio and it started cackling and I was like oh Oh, no if it's cackling maybe it wasn't no crackling yes no it's the glass thing and it felt no that's not radio frequency and what is it? That's ozone technology. Oh, I was completely and utterly Which insane. basically is for breakouts because the yeah. ozone that it creates um, is antibacterial on the skin. Anyway, she, but she had, like, it, she had such an authoritative way of touching. That's the only way I can really describe it. Did it hurt? Some of it did, like yeah. the extraction hurt. And also... So no, 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 did the massage hurt? Because I've had massages that are supposed to lift your cheekbones and all it does is make your, the ends of your toes curl up. It's oh, no. so painful. She didn't, she didn't hurt me at all. She did cranial sacral massage as well. And she was, she was firm, but it didn't hurt. But I did look different afterwards. It's the first facial where I've come out and I thought, yeah, I can actually see that my... People that have been around that long forgive me for saying that Vishali and they've still got a wait list on their facials Mm. have to give visible results and I also think Charlie's one of those facialists and there are a few hardcore people who are like that because Yvonne Martin is the same as well who they do this lifting massage technique which while I'm not saying it would permanently lift your skin gives you such a lymphatic drainage Mm. boost and boosts the flow of blood to your skin 
that you literally glow you mm. come out glowing but that's all about the massage technique those women are so brilliant but Yvonne Martin did my facial ones and it brought tears to my eyes oh really yeah because it's so hard newbie loves her but newbie loves a really hardcore massage facial massage have you ever had a facial with Nicola Joss because she does the thing yes. where she puts her fingers in your yeah. mouth doesn't she yeah is that good um yeah i mean it depends if you like it or not i mean if somebody's putting their fingers in my mouth i expect to buy me dinner first (laughs) (laughs) i knew that line was coming that can be your tagline you're gonna put your fingers in my mouth you better buy me dinner first or if somebody puts the fingers in my mouth i want them to redistribute the filler they've just injected into it i'm not i'm not really sure you know i mean i do like i have to say at the end of the day if i'm gonna lie on somebody's bed i either want a body massage or I do like my face to either be lasered or peeled. I'm quite hard, hardcore with my skin. It's like from the neck down, I'll use essential oils and I'll use oils and I'll use and I'll have a bath. And it's all about pampering. Mm. But nipples up, it's science the whole way. It's like laser, peel, glycolic, retinols. You know, <laughs> the bit I'm showing to the world, I'm putting my faith firmly in science over nature. I really am. I just now want to make a tagline out of from my nipples up, I'm all about the science. I'm all about the science. <laughs> I just, I'm just listening. I'm hearing everything in taglines. Oh dear, yes. Um, yes, but the reason I started talking about facials is that I've had so many facials over the, year, the years. And the first thing, what's the first thing that a therapist says to you when you come round and you stop dribbling? Don't forget to drink lots of water. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it just puts that impulse well, in people's but that, mind. But the reason that they say that is because if you've had a proper facial and you've had a lymphatic drainage... Yeah, you need to help flush. Then te- technically you need to help flush, yeah. That's the reason. It's not about hydrating. Yes. But, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say something <laughs> really contentious. <laughs> Your body now. language is amazing. Okay, is it, it, I wouldn't take health advice from somebody that hasn't got a doctorate or a, a medical degree or isn't a nurse the health of your skin yeah I just wouldn't take advice from somebody who is not properly trained or at the coal face every single day I mean there are some amazing laser technicians out there who are incredible work with lasers every day I would take advice from them or people that do peels or stuff like that Mm. I've sat in more lectures with more dermatologists and skincare science I know who to believe Mm. I do like a person in a white coat (laughs) I do I do and I do I must admit Dr. Dennis Gross has been on this podcast and he's just golden for information. And I can't believe you didn't ask him. So I said to him, what's your biggest skincare myth? That you can drink, you can hydrate your skin by drinking water. All you're doing I think is you told me kidneys. that when I came out of the yeah. recording. No, because I loved him because I fell on him going, thank you. He did give me the, his, his ABCs of skincare and what do you really need? Yeah. And I bet he said... You know, a good exfoliating. He loves a peel because he was the first person to do an yeah, at-home he's peel. He's the pioneer. Yeah, the pioneer of peels. Um, and then a good retinol, a good vitamin C, yeah, a good said, vitamin B. He said, don't overload your skin. It's just this simple. Yeah, it is really simple. I agree. Yeah. His is a podcast that I have to listen to over and over again because it's just... God, everything is just a nugget of... I need to know this. And the other thing that he did, which is brilliant because he started his career... Um, doing uh, research into cancer and skin cancer and melanoma, he gave, actually gave his ABCDs of how to identify a problem on your skin, which I thought was invaluable. Which is very good. I've gone very quiet because I still do like a bit of sunshine. 
Nipples down only, though. <laughs> really? Now, what does that look like on the <laughs> I just have a massive gold Elizabeth Hurley hat. Oh, her swim. Which her basically just amazing. sits to the top of there. So I've got, like, a little bit of tan down. I've got an ombre body. <laughs> and Reverse then, ombre. But because I'm using Retin-A, I'm using prescription stones Retin-A at the moment. So I, that's it. I just can't ever put my face or my head or my neck in the sun ever again now. And you're hardcore because you don't use it around your eyes. Oh, yeah. I, I thought I saw an Insta story where I think he was coaching Joe McGarry through. The, was it Joe who was talking oh, to you probably, about retinol? yeah, yeah. Um, okay. the, the rule with all active ingredients is you're supposed to only take them up to the occipital bone, which is the bone that you can feel that runs under the eyebrow, down the side and at the bottom of the eyes. Is that different from the orbital bone? Oh, good question. I think it's probably the same thing. But it's technically called the occipital bone. (laughs) So basically, and the idea is that the skin is so thin around your eyes that whatever you put at that area will travel inwards anyway. But then I did use the ordinary vitamin C, 23%, that is super bloody hardcore. And again, don't read instructions, just slap it around my face, put it all around my eyes. Couldn't sleep for two hours because the burning sensation. I know. Didn't wash it off though. I just thought this has got to be doing this. this Suck it up, baggot. Man up, this has got to be doing me some good. Yeah. And one of, I'm always, I love it. It's such a great product. Again, it's like £4.80 or something. It's such a great product. It's insane, isn't it? But you've got to be careful about how you use it. These are serious active ingredients. They really are. And just because they're inexpensive, don't underestimate their power. Yeah. In fact, it's an inverse proportion compared to a 250 quid pot of cream with a little silver applicator, which is basically just glorified Pond's cold cream. Have you seen that episode of um, Friends where Phoebe starts doing massages in Ross's flat apartment and he thinks that he's going to massage this really sexy girl and Phoebe's not there and it turns out to be her dad and he starts just bashing him with spoons. No, God. Because he doesn't want to touch him. There are some products that come with like silver tipped things and whenever I use them, I always just feel like Ross (laughs) is like patting my face with these ridiculous implements that inevitably roll off my dressing table and I hoover up and and never find again. Exactly. Which I don't really get. Um, we've talked about double cleansing. Oh, let's talk about neck creams. Neck and deck. You never need a neck cream. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Why is the skin on your neck any different to the skin anywhere else on your face? Why is the, ne- why is the skin on my neck, making this about me, two shades lighter than the skin on my face? Is it? Well, yeah, well, my skin, ten- my face skin tends to go a bit pink. And so sometimes when I do my makeup, and obviously I always bring my foundation down, but I... Caroline Barnes, the job of your foundation is not to um, necessarily conceal, because that's about concealers. The job of your foundation is to make your face the same colour as your neck and <gasps> chest. I can't believe I had her on the podcast and we didn't cover that. Love Caroline Barnes. She's an absolutely love her. Freaking goddess. Yeah. And I've worked with so many super high-end, really in-demand makeup artists. And if I was to do a big shoot or something tomorrow, she'd be one of them on my speed dial. She just gets real women. Speed dial. Speed beauty on speed dial. Yeah, she's a speed dial beauty expert. She's She's done this brilliant, brilliant post about the new Max Factor lipstick. And she talks about it's matte, but it's moisturising. And the way that it manages to be matte and moisturising it's because they're flattening the the pigments the the way that she says it it's just you're like oh yeah I understand they flatten the pigment yeah and they're irregular so the flattened irregular pigment can make it matte but they can still put the hydrators Mm. in there yeah but so she will say to you that the secret is to 
use your foundation to match your chest. So, Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I, my face is lighter than my neck and chest mainly because I'm using retinol and peeling the hell out of it. So therefore, I always take my foundation darker on my face. Oh, do you? Okay, so I need to start matching my foundation to my neck. And your chest. So, but you don't need a neck and deck cream. But I can't imagine it's one or two, more than one or two shades. No, I've just taken it. I think my skin looks darker than it really is. Every time I've ever had my makeup done by a makeup artist, they always grab a foundation and they go one or two shades lighter. It's because yeah, your eyes and your hair, isn't mm. it? Yeah. I look darker from that. You don't need a neck and deck cream. I just don't believe that at all. I think your serum should go from your hairline to your nipples every single day. So you should be using exactly the same active ingredients, vitamin C, niacinamide, salicylic acid, all those things, and it should go from neck to chest. And I'm really guilty of the fact that even though I was writing these features in my 20s and 30s, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you never think you're going to get old. You have no idea about ageing. You have not even began to start ageing. And therefore, I neglected my neck and chest. And my chest is now far more sun damaged than my face and needs loads of work doing on it because I didn't pay attention to it. So, yeah, one of the best bits of advice you could be giving. But it's like saying, you know, don't go in the sun. You know, when you're in your 20s, you think you're never going to get older. So you just don't believe it. So um, and being in the sun is fun. It's a lot more fun than having to put your serum on your neck every day. But essentially, there's no such thing. You know, if neck creams were anti-gravity, you would stick an astronaut to one and send him into space. It's just rubbish. It's just absolute and complete marketing. You eye. can't... Like eye creams, okay? You do not need a specific eye cream unless it has a cosmetic or an anti-puffing ingredient in it. So if it's a cosmetic, it'll have a light reflective or a tint in it, which mm-hmm. is brilliant because then it's an eye cream and a concealer mm-hmm. at the same time. And there are certain eye creams, the perfect example would be the Ren one, which is a real cult product, that tightens as it dries. Mm-hmm. So it has a physical effect... If it's just hydrating, put your serum around your eyes. Mm. A serum is designed to go everywhere. Yeah. The whole point of a serum is it has less oils in it, so it absorbs into the skin more quickly. Stick it everywhere. I don't understand the need to add on ingredients that are purely about upselling. Mm. You know, when we used to spend time on counter at Selfridges for Beauty Editor's Day um, for the charity Look Good, Feel Better... And, you know, and I would take people from counter to counter and they'd say to me, I've got really bad breakouts. And I'd take them to Clinique and they'd get the clarifying toner. Mm. And then the, the, the woman would go, and you need this, this and this. And I went, no, you don't. You just need that. Mm. You don't need to buy an entire range. You cherry pick the best products 
from each single company. I'm sure I've said this before on the podcast, but I, um, like a lot of us, like my first foray into skincare was supermarket 99p cleanse tone moisturise. Was it hand French? I can't remember. But it was, it was probably like Safeway's own, just because I would just bang onto my mum, like, please, can I have it? Please, can I have it? Please, can I have it? Just because I wanted to be like her and have a, a regime. And it was, what, 99p, 70p or something back in the day. And then I moved up. And then when my skin got bad, I moved on to the three-step. Yeah. That's was, most people's yeah. first serious forage into skincare. I was loyal it? to that for years, but my skin was terrible during my teens. Then I moved to another brand... And I started off with a moisturiser, day moisturiser, not even a day moisturiser. Because you'd been upsold and you didn't need it. And it got to the point where I, I it was like the three step was my gateway drug. Mm-hmm. And then before I know it, I'm hooked on crystal meth and I can't get off because I've got five products that I have to replenish every month and my skin is not feeling how I want it. And I broke the cycle. And how old are you at this point? How are you paying for this? Oh, this is when I got my first job. So this was after university. I would have been 23 and still I, a lot of money. And I bought into a, a, a brand that was, you know, department store, counter, right. This Name is, names. It was Estee Lauder. Okay. And Which is an interesting brand for a 23-year-old to be using as well. I just felt like I wanted to... I think I'd been with Clinique for ages and I just wanted to move up. You felt a bit more grown up. Yeah. It's very oh, interesting. no, I'm lying, actually. Well, it, it continued to be Clinique. Well, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because when I read Sally's book, which I love... This is um, Sally Hughes, pretty iconic. Yeah. And her emotional resonance with brands and products, I just don't have. <laughs> I just don't have it. I don't remember the name of my first lip gloss. I used soap until I was a beauty editor. I had a mother that was completely disinterested in beauty that worked in a cosmetics factory, so probably loathed it. She used to work for Lonthrop Mornay and come home at night. She puts lipstick and, eye- and powder on because she was raised in the 50s. I I just don't have that emotional resonance. I did to fragrance because the first thing I ever owned was Givenchy 3, the first fragrance. And I had a, a girlfriend that wore Laird de Tom. But I don't... And I remember sort of minty roll-on lip glosses and mascaras and hide the blemish. But I don't have an emotional resonance. Mm. I'm much more scientific about the products in my yeah. life. I don't feel... They've got to be results driven. I don't feel an emotional connection. Like if I lost my job tomorrow and I did not get the free stuff I get, I would go into Superdrug pretty much and buy most things. I'm not I'm not a label queen when it comes to mm. beauty. I'd spend money on good skincare. I'd probably buy a really nice Laura Mercier mineral powder foundation. But I'm like I'm results driven. Mm. I'm not I don't have they don't have an emotional resonance to me. But that's where, like, sometimes it can be quite frightening, especially at the Dennis Grossnorts when we're talking about skincare. And you come out with, as the listeners will have heard um, earlier on in this podcast, your knowledge is encyclopedic. It's not emotional. No. But you are able to convey the science to people in a way that is soft, not soft in a namby-pamby way, but you have emotion in your delivery. Yeah. No, because I'm really passionate about mm. it and I believe that good skincare really works. So- I know it will piss you off. If somebody emailed you and said, Nadine, I watched your vlog and I did this and it really didn't suit me and it cost me X, Y and Z. I know that oh, would drive you up me at night. Bon- and also I think because I come from a fundamentally working class family, I the thought of recommending a cream that cost 150 quid to somebody that did nothing but moisturise their skin just doesn't fit morally 
Mm. It just doesn't sit morally comfortably with me. It just doesn't. So if I'm going to tell somebody to buy something that works, I will give them a pricing scale. I will say, you know, you might not be able to afford this, but you buy this or buy this or in a dream world, buy this. And, and, I think we just forget that out in the real world, people don't have that sort of money to spend on things, which is why The Ordinary is so awesome in its way. Mm. It's not perfect, but he's trying his hardest. So it's by one of my most popular vlogs because people really want to engage in something and they want products that work, but they can't afford hundreds and hundreds Mm. of pounds. If I hadn't been a beauty editor, the one thing I really wanted to do was I wanted to be a film critic. Okay, And somebody once said to me, Somebody once said to me, it's so good that you didn't become a film critic because it would have taken the pleasure out of films. Okay, so being a beauty editor Ah. has taken my pleasure out of beauty. Not in the sense that I don't, I'm passionate about my industry and I love the industry and I love the people I work with, but I don't, I don't, when something arrives, I don't go, Oh. <laughs> Angels don't like, sing when you, you know, roll yeah. Like, um, what's the movie with John Travolta where they open the case oh, and everything's gold inside? Pulp Fiction. <laughs> that I don't. I automatically come from a place of: Is this going to work? Is it worth the money? Am I going to write about it? Mm. Because I write for people who who aren't my consumer. You know, I have to accept the fact that there are lots of people that are interested in lots of different products. Otherwise, I'd be writing about the first, the same five or six products and the same five or six ingredients and the same five or six brands. I totally accept that. But I will always come from a point, not of cynicism, but of scepticism. Because in the real world, it's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Mm. It just is. And I just don't know how people sell, upsell stuff that people don't want, especially to a 23-year-old, who I would imagine, looking at your skin, had congested skin, and all they really needed to do was to have a really good anti-back wash, a salicylic acid toner, and maybe a gel hyaluronic acid hydrating serum. And that's all you needed. You didn't need anything else. And yet they were upselling you things that were aimed at a 45-year-old with dehydrated skin. That's morally corrupt. Well, because my whole thing was I, my skin never felt soft and hydrated. Mm. You probably weren't exfoliating enough. No, of course not. Yeah. And I use... I People use, said... Somebody emailed me the other day saying, um, I've got really bad dry skin around my nose in the creases and I keep putting on oil and it's not going away. And I went, it's virtually impossible to have a dry nose. Even somebody with dry skin doesn't have a dry nose because it's your main production of sebum your mm. chin and your nose i said if you just use salicylic acid toner for two or three nights what you'll do is get rid of the dry skin mm. that you're sticking the dead skin cells you're sticking back on your skin so tell me about chapped lips because my lips get horribly chapped and i go to bed every single night with an obscene amount of elizabeth ardenate hour cream on which makes me which is amazing but then the next day nothing wrong with petrolatum <laughs> petroleum jelly is a is a, the, one you know, of the best moisturisers out there, yeah. You know what, you're so true, and actually one of my other favourite moisturisers is Astral. Yeah, yeah, So, which is basically an oil and water emulsion. But, okay, so there is a, there's a body of thought which comes from the Obagi theory that the more you hydrate a skin, the less you turn off its ability to hydrate itself. So that by using a balm on your lip every night you're stopping your lips from producing their own ceramides so it's a bit like the alpha h liquid gold thing 
whether they give you say give us your skin two nights a week and we'll reset it so it's able to function yeah. better and so a badgie will say and he's a huge american dermatologist he will say that by feeding your skin heavy occlusive moisturizers and oils you're turning off your skin's ability to hydrate itself apart from the 10 percent who are clinically genetically dry so what's the alternative appeal? No, so hyaluronic acid serums that hydrate the skin with what it needs, which is a natural moisturising factor. Your skin doesn't need oil. It's contentious, and I've tried to do Obagi, and I've seen amazing results, but for me, the regime makes my skin drier, but supposedly you need to go through two skin cycles, which is 12 weeks, to boost your ceramide production. That's that's three months. That's quite it's a, a time investment. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a massive investment. And also, I think oh, I personally am a bit addicted. And if if you watch any reality TV, actually, you see it loads. Where obviously what happens? Does it is, make you lick your lips more as well? Because you continually do that, which they can't because they're listening. They can't see, which is you purse your lips loads. I never use lip balm. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So if I you never watch Towie, if you watch any of the reality shows where they clearly, right, we're about to film and they all get out their lip glosses and put yeah. another layer on. During the, Lauren Kitcher does it loads. They always go and they're yeah. always Pursing smacking their lips. their lips together. But also they're going to have problems with their lips because they're all massively overfilled. And <laughs> but, if you overfill a lip, then obviously it's going to feel slightly uncomfortable and slightly tight. But I never use lip balms unless I was skiing I wouldn't, or in the sun, I wouldn't use a lip balm. And my skin, my lips hardly ever peel. But I don't use body lotion unless it's got an active ingredient in it. So I would use, if my skin was dry, if my shins were dry, I would use a lactic or a glycolic acid body lotion. But otherwise, I don't lotion my body. But you'd never get a um, and I don't have dry smelling oil. And I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. An oil for me is a conduit for massage. So I would use an oil to massage my skin. I would use an oil to have a massage. I would use an oil on a plane, but I wouldn't put an oil on my face. And I would never use an essential oil on my face because essential oils, and this is really contentious, are just glorified perfumes. And perfume does not belong in skincare. Perfume and alcohol are the two most sensitising products that you can use on your body. Now, your body is a lot tougher, mm -hmm. so I love having an essential oil massage. But I don't leave it on my skin. I'll come out and I'll shower it off. Oh. I burn essential oils in my house. I believe mm. that they can affect your mood and they can be energising. I totally believe in that, mm. in that whole aromacology thing. And I do believe that they can be absorbed through the skin because they've done studies that shows that if you put something like tea tree oil, mm. you will urinate it out. They're tiny molecules. They can penetrate your, your, um, your skin. But, yeah, I, they're glorified scents. They don't have a role in skincare. They're pampering. They're lovely. They're indulgent. I would not use essential oils on my face. And lavender is proven to cause cell death. In what studies. now? Lavender essential oil. Linalool in lavender essential oil is, 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 is linked to cell death. Paul's Paula Begwin for you. Founder's choice. Uh, Paula's choice. I don't, I don't, and I know people that use oils and have gorgeous skin because they've probably got clinically dry skin, but I don't, I, I wouldn't put them on my skin. I think they cause massive sensitivity. And also, I think there is a point at which if you keep putting oil on your skin, you will stop your own ceramide production. That's a word of warning. 
No, because some people love them. And again, maybe I speak to a lot of scientists and Dr. Dennis Gross likes oils, but then don't forget he's using an oil as a conduit to deliver an active ingredient. Mm. That sort of makes sense. But he says they are occasional traits. They're not to be used all the time. I think that's the thing. I think there's this, what you talked about earlier about people being upsold and maybe not understanding. There's a very... In the Venn diagram of pampering and efficiency, there is an overlap, but there's also a massive amount that are, they're completely separate from each other. And sometimes I think when you're buying, so for me, I've always had problems with my lips. And even today, like I came and I had loads of balm on, it's all gone now because I've chewed it off. But it's all I've ever tried. And so I've put it down to dehydration or whatever, and I need to try something new. But I've always tried going for, cold turkey. I've always gone for that sort of lip smacky feeling yeah. i like that because a it makes my lips and that's why a lot of people like body lotions mm. because they like that gunky feeling and that's their comfort zone that's what that's that's they're, so they're so used mm. to it it's like some people like the feeling of hairspray and i don't like the feeling of hair products i don't like the feeling of mousse in my hair it's mm. just i don't like liquid found i don't like the feeling of liquid foundations on my skin i don't like the feeling of really heavy serum silicon serums on my skin you know sometimes you use things and they've got that amazing velvety slip <laughs> I don't, i'm not really keen on that either i do you, quite like do you want your serum to be absorbed based. so yeah. your skin goes yeah now it's time for my moisturizer yeah totally okay. yeah i like things that go in quite quickly i don't like necessarily like them sitting on the surface unless it's at night but i think it's what you're used to and what you've grown up with and then you kind of it becomes your comfort zone but it might not necessarily be what your skin needs i mean Kate, I went for a facial Kate with Kate Kerr the other day and she does not believe in moisturisers full stop apart from the 10% who've got clinically dry skin she said a body anything she said you can use lotions if they've got actives in them you can use serums, serums if they hydrate but you do not use a tub of anything and you certainly don't use oils she's really anti them a lot of Debbie Thomas who's another facialist I really recommend is really anti oils who as has well. been on this podcast yeah they're all really anti oils Actually, if you go into her clinic, she's edited, I believe, she's done the product edit, and it's quite an eclectic little mix that yeah. she's got in there. But I, I, I mean, and she likes the same brands that I like, so mm. she likes a bit of Neostrata and a little bit of Oxygenetics and, and a little bit of Obagi, and it's sort of clinically proven to work. And she's at the coal, like I say, she's one of those people that's at the coal face every day dealing with people with rosacea mm. and acne and pigmentation and laser scarring and stuff like that. And Kate Kerr, when I interviewed her, said to me, she regularly sees people who come in who are using a lot of balms and oils and her job is to decongest their skin and to, to literally wean them off. They're like addicts. It's the same true with SPF because I was talking to someone the other day. See, I don't like chemical SPFs. I like mineral SPFs. And whenever I wear a chemical SPF, and again, I will use it from the nipples down, <laughs> but if I use a chemical SPF on my face... It will it will clog my pores so massively. If someone's listening to this. How are they going to know the difference between a chemical SPF and a mineral? Because a mineral SPF is purely titanium or zinc dioxide, and they're so really the really list. hard to find. You look at the inky list. Yeah. So Actually, if you the see inky list means ingredients. ingredients I remember list. going to a launch once and people saying, "Have they got the inky?" And I was like, "What the hell's an yeah. inky?" It's it's the term. <laughs> it's like skews, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's an it's an industry term for the ingredients list. So basically. There are a whole host of chemical um, 
uh, SPFs. And when I say chemical, I don't mean that's a bad thing. Mm. The whole world is made of chemicals. We're made of chemicals. Water is a chemical. Everything I've talked about that is an active ingredient is a chemical. I don't go for that whole organic, vegan, chemicals are a bad thing. But there are chemical SPFs and physical SPFs. And physical SPFs are minerals that are mined from rocks. And what happens is when the sun hits them, they bounce the sun back off. They're like a little mirror, which is why they're quite silvery on the skin. So they're like a barrier. Yeah, it's a barrier to, between you well, and the outside world. Chemical SPF absorb the light and they turn it into heat in the skin. So, and, and they change chemically within the skin and they, they are made to be absorbed by the surface layers of the skin. They have to be absorbed by the surface layers of the skin before they work. And I really don't think you kind of want those absorbing in your skin. And that's why I wear a mineral powder every day with an SPF 20 in it. Because that's why there's a, the, the payoff with the chemical is to your liver and your kidneys, isn't it? Because that's what's going to have to flush it out of your system. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you see, I've interviewed people uh, who say that I mean that I mean that might be scaremongering I don't know they're saying that you put these chemicals on your body every day and at some level they're being absorbed especially if they've been micronized Mm. Um, because obviously if you micronize an SPF it's more pleasant to use I doubt very much if it's going through the dermal epidermal junction even to that layer of the skin let alone the blood barrier Mm. um but for me, why would you put something that's a potential irritant? Because all chemical sunscreens are massive potential irritants. Why would you put them on the skin if you could just have something that sits on the surface, looks quite nice because it's a main ingredient in most foundations. It's what gives them their pigment mm. and their opacity. Why would you just, if you could just put that on your skin and let the sun bounce back, you also don't have the problem of heat damage, infrared damage. Mm. To me, it makes more sense. Clinique do really brilliant physical exfoliants for the body and you'll find most of the sort of oxygenetics foundations foundations that are really great for your skin they tend to be titanium or zinc dioxide based and oxygenetics and i think if you can acneic skin yeah and if you and the reason is is because they've got this massive great big mineral in them and i think if you can get your spf in your makeup it makes sense because that's what's formulated to be on the surface of your skin now Obviously, if you live in South Africa or you live in LA and the sun is beating down on you, Mm. you're going to need extra layers of SPF. But I live in rainy old London. (laughs) I barely leave the house because I'm too busy creating content. I do not need to put an SPF on my skin. And you've got your Elizabeth Hurley hat. Year in, year out. And then when I am in the sun, I've got this massive, great big gold hat that I just pull down to my nipples. So, and I hate sunbathing. It's so boring anyway you're not a hiker are you don't be ridiculous (laughs) i put an spf6 on my body i lie out in the sun for 45 minutes till i go a little bit golden and then i get out of the sun then what do you do drink yeah stay inside create content mostly and my boyfriend hates me for it i don't see the point in putting an spf 15 on your face and your body in the belief that it's protecting you and then lying in the sun for for nine hours Mm. and i go on holiday with girls that do that it just that's madness to me absolute madness one it's unpleasant although some people love it and two your spf 15 is going to wear off in two or three hours and then you're just baking yourself i'm a mushroom i can do a little bit of time in the sun but then i always will find myself to a shady corner yeah preferably inside on a cold tile floor yeah i agree and i'd much rather read and you can't use tablets in the sun and uh, you can use a Kindle though. Yeah, and a Kindle and stuff like that. But I'd love an old fashioned book mm. and a massive umbrella. That's my happy place round the pool. I'm not 
I just don't like lying out in the sun. My cat's just come in and is scenting Emma's feet. <laughs> Did my feet really stink? That was a look of disgust I just got from your cat. But so, yeah, that's what... And I do believe we need vitamin D. And I do love that instant hit. And like that what's called immediate pigment darkening. Now, bearing in mind, my eyes are coal black virtually. And I've, I'm Eastern European, so I do tan quite quickly. I will never burn. I'm not that sort of person. Mm-hmm. I'd have to lie in the sun for ages to burn. So I like a little bit of colour, nipples down, and then I'm out. And then I book inside margarita and i'm happy or under a massive umbrella i just don't find the process of being in the sun that pleasant to be honest anymore now but i did fry myself relentlessly in a white thong in the south of france for most of my 20s which is which is why i need to undo my sun damage now but that's not the but isn't it funny that's not the reason why you don't spend time in the sun you just can't be asked now to spend a day yeah and also as you get older i mean your skin just takes much longer to repair itself and you do see the damage coming through and also once you get serious i stopped sunbathing when i got serious about skincare and i got serious about skincare in my early 40s when i started having botox i don't see the point in having botox and laser and then going back in the sun and, Mm. and, and it's you know it's not a pleasant experience having botox and laser it's not that pleasant having your sun damage lasered off so why would you go back and do it again i don't see the point does botox hurt um not really no not that badly laser bloody does hurt though it's not pleasant is it like having elastic bands pink have you ever had laser hair removal on your bikini line not professional no oh my god were you ever a beauty editor (laughs) you can tell that we worked on weeklies there are monthly beauty editors (laughs) out there that spend their entire time on back-to-back appointments in the name of work um yeah IPL is yeah not pleasant yeah it's like being hit by it's like standing frying an egg on a Saturday morning in just a pair of knickers and having the hot (laughs) fat splash back at you over your face it works but I don't see the point in doing that and then going back in the sun I would love IPL I would absolutely love IPL at the moment I'm using the um the illuminage devices on yeah. my face and is it working well no because i forget to do it i've got a, a, a really if you work. go up into my toilet now you will see There's my phillips, phillips lumea on the toilet <laughs> because you have to get the hairs as they come through mm. so you have to be there and, and the only way to remind myself my decorator said to me recently my cousin was here <laughs> decorating my kitchen he went what's this set to stun scotty he said and i went it's a it's a ipl hair removal gadget and he went i don't believe it and i get hold out your arm and i said it to full and zapped him he went ow and i went now try doing that on your face or your bikini line mm. um i know somebody that used the tria face laser and got rid of their pigmentation on their oh. husband's nose genevieve did it now i really really want to get the tria laser because i had a sample ages ago like four or five years ago and it really worked I really but this is my it. argument with all of those home gadgets. And trust me, I do believe that the hair removal ones work. I haven't used the laser ones, the fractional laser ones, long enough to know if they actually are proven to work. But to work, they've got to hurt. And it's mm. very hard to inflict pain on yourself. Yes. Especially seeing as I want them on the crepey skin around my eyes. And there is a specific eye one now from mm. Tria. But to work... You've got that moment where it's going beep, beep, and you're waiting for the pain, and the automatic reaction is to lift your hand yeah. off. I, have, I don't have an ounce of sadomasochism in me. I don't <laughs> want to inflict pain on myself. It's much easier to get somebody else to do it. Mm. 
you know. And, I mean, you know, eventually they're going to do ones for veins around your nose. That's the single most painful thing you can have done. That's much more painful than filler and Botox. And you take your little goggles off and they're full of mascara and water because you've cried. It works, but it's not pleasant. I texted No pain, you no gain. Yeah, I texted you recently because I'd overdone my legs and they were really stinging. I, but I basically used the laser too much. I was like... I'll use it on the highest setting, and I thought, well, I'll go. I didn't do it last what, week with so an IPL one. It was the Illuminage. That yeah. was, so it was, it was user error. It wasn't oh, okay. the brand's fault. Oh, I. Uh, but all of those machines. I mean, the Philips Lumea. I don't know who it would work on a low setting. You've got to set it up to far. Set it up really high, and ramp it up, and then just. I gave one the other day to a friend of mine. She said, "How should I use it?" She said, "It says start at the lowest level and work your way up." And I said shave off your moustache, ramp it up to four, I said, and zap each area about five times. And mm. she went, really? And I went, yeah, this, you're going to be serious now. These machines have been calibrated to be safe. Mm. So you've just got to go for it, really. But they do work. Mm. They absolutely work. Yeah, I do need to, because I've got my, so my issue as well, okay. And I knew I was seeing you today, and so I touched up my grey, because my grey... Oh my God, look at that. I'm having mine done tomorrow. I'm currently showing Emma the worst grey roots you've ever seen in your entire life. You didn't and even only, see it until you tipped your head oh, forward. That's the advantage of being nearly six foot tall. Nobody ever sees it. <laughs> the only thing that made me feel better was I was out for supper the other day with Jo Hoare, who's a baby. <coughs> she's greyer than I am. Is she? Yeah, she's been going grey since she was really young. She's thinking of going lilac, which I really like the idea. <gasps> she would rock that. Yeah, totally. Joe Hoare is former... Fashion and Beauty Editor of Heat. Heat magazine. And now and prolific author, author. Of the funniest book. The millennial book. Yeah. Did you well, see that? See that? So Glamour did an extract the other day. And it's too rude. To is this read, about chewing gum? Yes, to read out the lift out quote. But it's just brilliant. I am going to put the link to Joe's books in the show notes, actually. Um, I would love to get her on the show. We've talked about it. When Heat was at its best, she was the lady that wrote every single sarcastic celebrity caption. Mm. She's one of the funniest people I know. I need to hook her up with Sam Chapman because Sam mm. Chapman of Pixie Woos is going to adore her. She is... Um, She's the one of the few people that genuinely makes me laugh out loud when I read all of her social media feeds, Instagram, Twitter. She's just totally iconoclastic, no bullshit, mm -hmm. and just searingly funny and honest she really is which is why she's such a good writer you need to get her on the podcast we've talked about it she actually we were, we were talking on facebook the other day and um she lives not far from my brother so i said okay next time i visit my brother i'll park his and i'll come to yours so love her. Quiz her about her she's now writing so many books yeah and she's in the faber academy and going to write a novel and there's a character based on me. <gasps> I said, you will call her Nadine and then call it Baguette or something, won't you? Please. She went, are you okay about that? And I went, yes. Well, we have a, a mutual friend who's, who's had a character name after in another book. Did we? Yeah. The Marion Keys book. Georgie. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did Georgie Dawson have a character named after her? Unless I've got... I haven't read the book. Sorry, Marion. I haven't read the book, so I don't know. But that is definitely... Oh, what... she'd be so easy to characterise in a novel. She's like... She's a walking Julie Cooper heroine, Georgie Dawson. She really is. Uh, a friend of mine, Mike Gale, who I worked with at Just 17 is back in the, the day... Is he the guy who used to do Big Breakfast? 
Yes, I think he did. Yeah. He used to be a TV reviewer, and he's got a whole series of novels. He has a, he has a character called Nadine in one of his novels, and he misspelt my surname, and I made him in the reprint get the surname right. Double G, double T. By the way, I was completely proud of it. it was nothing based on me. Two G's, two T's. This is actually the Joe one. It's actually a character based on me. In what way? What I can't what? say because it's oh, not yes, my novel and I have no intellectual copyright, but I don't care. I'm owning it. It's brilliant. I, when, when Joe comes on the show, I'll be like, what was it about Nadine Baggett that <laughs> makes you write this character? And wait till you hear what the character does. It's completely brilliant, yeah. Okay, another myth, final. Sleeping in makeup ages your skin. What a load of rubbish that is. Well, well hang on. Doesn't it potentially slow uh, cell renewal? Not if you cleanse it off the next morning. And besides, people who are sleeping and their skin are in their 20s, their skin is turning over itself perfectly. It will congest your skin and give you spots, Mm. but it will not age your skin. I slept in my makeup until I was probably in my mid-30s, even as a makeup a beauty editor I was too busy having fun when people <laughs> email me going do you believe in preventative Botox or what skincare should I be using I'm thinking of using some Retin-A I'm 25 I go for God's sake you're 25 you Go should out. be drinking too much sleeping with too many men and having far too much fun oh, don't even think about it think about anti-aging when you've started aging I don't believe in all that preventative nonsense like I don't believe in upselling to young women so At that age, the most important thing you can do is cleanse your skin properly. Mm. It's so important to cleanse your skin properly. So it will cause congestion, but it won't age your Especially skin. now, because like you say... Too much makeup. Now, you talk about upselling, and I know we're bringing it back to makeup, but by Jiminy, no beauty brand is going to bring back the natural by look. By Jiminy? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the Kardashians are the best, and we've mentioned this a lot, the best thing that ever happened to the beauty industry. But no one's going to say... I was... A- in my peak in the 80s, and even then, and I was dancing with George Michael at the Mud Club. Oh, the Dean. And with, I was, seriously, I was clubbing with George Michael and um, Boy George. And even then, we didn't wear as much makeup as the girls do now. I mean, it, that, and that's why they need to cleanse their skin. But I honestly, I think probably, what, seven, eight years ago, it was all about a tinted moisturiser and a BB cream, a good mascara, and it was quite minimal. No beauty brand is going to say, Let's go back to those days when people only they, bought four And products. the irony is, because people listening to this might not know many beauty editors, beauty editors wear less makeup <laughs> than any group of women. Not this beauty I know. Editor. No, not me either. So basically, there's only you, myself, and Alex who wear any makeup. Nobody else wears any makeup. And I love mm. that some of them who wear not a scrap of makeup week after week after week do this is the hot trend navy blue fries, Pantone colour of the year, green liner. And you're like, you barely wear concealer and mascara. Stop upselling to people. Step away from the makeup bag. This is true. I had a bit of a crisis of confidence at the end of last year, and I was like, I think I wear too much makeup. And I really tried to dial it down, and then my life wasn't as fun. <laughs> I think you apply makeup. I mean, you've tr- you're trained as a makeup artist. I think you apply your makeup really well. And also, I like people that wear makeup and have fun with it. But I just don't think you need to be dictated by... I, it's the same old colours. Basically, you're never going to sell a red eyeshadow to me. I don't care what creative director <laughs> creates it. Do you remember... Red eye, eyeshadow is never a good look. It's just not. Do you remember when they... Uh, I think it was Rimmel brought out the red eyeliner that Moss wore in the campaign. 
yeah, but just only just at a push, Kate Moss can carry it off. Mm. But no, I remember Longcom did an entire red collection, and I can't even remember who the creative director was. It was yonks ago, and it Chanel's was like, one, not the most recent send out. The one before was all sort of you know russety reds, and they didn't have red eyeliner. Was that Isamaya? Yeah, so that's basically russet. You can kind of get away with, mm. but unless you want to look like a rabbit with myxomatosis, do not wear red eyeshadow or red <laughs> eyeliner. Basically, you just—it's about you know navies like a hint of hazel or green or brown or black there are certain things that are yeah. classic and beautiful that you wear time and time again this is very true this i is mean basically true. the only person i know that could rock a red eye and look good would be sam chapman i mean the woman is a walking talking supermodel and a makeup artist she th- I mean, so the other night and anyone who follows me on instagram would have seen this if they watched my insta story i saw it i can't I was... sleep i'm going to recreate a no. pixie woo look no 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 it wasn't i can't sleep it was I'm going to go to bed. I'll watch one Pixie one podcast, yeah, one one Pixie Beauty yeah. tutorial while I'm like brushing my teeth and in the bathroom. And it was the how these five looks. I'll put the link in my uh, in the show notes because honestly, it's a brilliant video. It's about oh, 25 minutes. I know she's so talented though, and she just does this sculpting look where she does very light foundation, and then it's um, one Topshop contour stick. And I did watched, you suddenly find your contour stick? I knew I had it. I knew I had it in the stash in my un, under my bed. So I was like, right, I'm going to see if I can do that. And I didn't look anywhere near as fantastic as that. <laughs> whenever I go out and see... I'm, I'm interviewing Sam and Nick tomorrow for Hello. And whenever I go out and see them, I always add just an extra layer of slab. You have to. Just an extra layer of slab. It's like going to interview Charlotte Tilbury. You go, I just put a little bit of extra liner on, you know. Well, you know what? Caroline Barnes, who has been on this podcast, when she came over to my house to record the podcast... I had quite a busy morning and I knew she was coming at 11. I had quite a bit to do and I had to run to the post office. And when she arrived, bang on time, I hasten to add, I hadn't had a chance to put anything on my face. So Caroline Barnes walks into my house. I'm not wearing a scrap of makeup. But I didn't even think anything of it because you know what Caroline's like. You don't feel uncomfortable or anything. No, she's so lovely. And it wasn't like I left my face bare so that she would do it because that would have been really ridiculous. <laughs> Can you imagine? She gave me a really backhanded compliment the other day because we're going to start filming together because uh, I really like her. I think she's amazing. And we want to do a series of vlogs together. And we were talking about it. And, she, and I said to her, what I'd like to do is this, this, and this. She said, what I'd like to do, Nadine, is you do one half of your face and yes. then I'll do the other half. About And we'll see what side looks better. And I'm like, <laughs> you're trying to tell me I've done my makeup all wrong right it's just the little things that could make a difference she said to me i'm like oh my god but she says it in such a kind way she's, no. she's so lovely so and she works with real women so she does get it oh really it, honestly i've said it in the podcast that i did with her but everybody should go and look at speed beauty previous podcast guest alexia hargrave who is brilliant watched the looked at the facebook post where i linked to caroline and to speed beauty and she sent she commented saying i actually can't stop watching these videos they're fantastic but you can't stop watching them because they're on loop did you notice they're on a unless loop. you shut down the inner window they just keep coming up i don't know what that is but i need that software i was quite impressed by that but they're, they're like around a minute some of them are really super some short. of them are just 30 seconds yeah, yeah. and they're so and she and she does go into quote mode and she's got the most fantastic way of explaining why something will work. That thing about the um, pigment, the spheres, yeah. the, she just says it in a sentence and it just makes perfect sense. You're like, yeah, of course. No, she's the perfect spokesperson. 
She really is. One day I'll, I'll have her do my makeup, but I'll be less subtle about it. I won't just turn up with her. She'll do a massive red smoky eye. <laughs> she does. <laughs> with no signature emoji eyeliner. Do you know what? I haven't... I thought this. Like, so I knew I was interviewing you. That's what I came back to. I um, did my roots. We were, talking about, we were talking about facial hair. This is the nature of our conversations. They go off on a tangent. So my problem is... I have quite thick side. Yeah, I know. I do. I genuinely have. <laughs> no, a beard. you have. No, I have. I've got quite thick sideburns, which I can get the Illuminage facial one on, or the trio, or whatever device I happen to have. So, just a second. Is your Illuminage a Fraxel anti-ager, or is it an, a hair, uh, removal? hair removal? Oh, right. Okay. Both of them. So there's a face and a body. Right. Okay. So, but they they do quite light work on my sideburns, which is great. And there's like the edges of my moustache yeah. and under my nose. And I have whiskers. painful under your nose. Oh, tell me about it. I had electrolysis for two years as a teenager. Is that because you're poly... Um, yeah. Just to go there. And, right I, and I was really quite beardy. And first of all, I had like 18 months of face waxing every four weeks, which is basically going somewhere where you get that really... Um, pungent smell of hot Where the wax. spatula's just been around somebody's sack cracking back. <laughs> Essentially. And when they take it off... It is just like someone slapping you Joan Collins style from Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. So I had to put up with it anyway. There, and I just got loads of milia, yeah, obviously. Totally. So there'd be about a week of downtime. Then I had electrolysis. Anyway, so what's happened is that I do have some really thick, like tree trunk hairs that as soon as they come out, you're like, oh, you swine. But the rest of it's really fuzzy. So actually... Nothing gets rid of the fuzz, though. So what if I the did fuzz last... is pigment, If the fuzz is pigmented, it no, will. No, it's Bella's no. hair. No, and I've got Bella's hair all over my face, and so did Marilyn Monroe, and I just think, own it. Until you see Joe GB, and she goes, oh, you've got a few <laughs> very blonde hairs on your chin. And I always go, pluck them out. And then she goes, oh, they've gone again, you've turned. <laughs> well, last night, as my Clairol root touch-up was cooking... I love Clairol root retouch. Oh my god, it's the, it is the best. The best. The trick with hair dye, so I'm a brunette, you're a blonde. The trick with hair dye, if you are a brunette and you don't want to be dark, dark brown, is buy a shade of root touch up that's much lighter than your natural hair yeah. colour. Exactly. It's and taken as a blonde. Years of discussions. You, as a blonde, you always put your base colour. So not the colour you were as a child, but the colour when you went through puberty, which for me is mouse, mm. and they do a really good range of mouses into your roots and then I do mine every two or three weeks because I'm quite grey mm. and then I go to a hairdresser every six months and they basically just put a bit of balayage through just to even it all out so oh, you put t- mousy you put a mousy colour yeah I put a mouse into my but your hair hand. looks blonde yeah but if I was to mouse the roots out and then essentially it just washes out slightly yeah uh. so I put my base colour back in if you have a darker root on a blonde hair it's much more youthful it's like madonna faking her dark roots it's just much more youthful than going really blonde right to the top because they, they need they need doing at the moment you can't look at it as an example just before christmas i decided to do all of my color normally i do root touch up but i decided to do my whole hair and i made that fatal mistake of doing my roots first but the, the, it traveled down way too much and it was black yeah i spent two days shampooing it with bicarb and a clarifying shampoo to try and lift it there's something you can buy called Malibu, mm-hmm. which is a sachet. <laughs> oh, we're not talking about the drink. No, there's a sachet. It's a sachet. You buy it from uh, Amazon, and what you do is you mix it in with your shampoo, and it's a back base and professional treatment. Oh. And I don't know what the active ingredients are, but I would imagine it's something like low-level 
peroxide granules and you mix it into your shampoo and it starts stripping the, bicarb, the color out. The bicarb and clarifying shampoo, and I used a clarify, uh, uh, Kerastase one. As soon as you put it on, you smelt the ammonia again. You smelt the hair dye. And wow. I was like, oh, that must be working. But it took a few... Because the ends of your hair are just so much porous, so they just take it so much more quickly. Because they're old. Here. It's because I left, yeah, so left it on too long. So to cut a long story short, I wanted to get rid of the Vela's hairs because I knew that I was seeing you. So I used my Gillette, <laughs> Gillette satin gel shaving foam for legs and I just you shaved, shaved off face. my Vela's hair. I don't understand. I am seriously hairy and it just doesn't bother me. Isn't but, it funny how the things that bother some people, my blonde Vela's hair on my face does not bother me. The reason it bothers me, because some of them are, are actually, they're not fine. They can feel, they've got a bit yeah, of texture. Yeah, no, totally, but it doesn't bother me. As long as they're not pigmented, my it doesn't bother sit, me. My makeup sits really awkwardly and it just really... Do you know Caroline Barnes shaves her face to get rid of her Vela's hair? Brilliant. Tell me you discussed this. No, I didn't. She uses... Imac or V all over her face to get rid of her Vela's hair. So oh, no, her I've makeup goes more smoothly. I she just don't a... care. But then, but then to be honest, I'm you know I use mineral makeup, which most makeup artists hate. I don't care. The truth of the matter is, all right. Mm. If there's one <laughs> thing to take away from this podcast is, people are so obsessed with their own flaws they don't notice yours. Mm. You just people aren't looking at you that closely. They're too self-obsessed. And if they are. Don't spend time with them. And the only person that's looking at you that closely has got his tongue down your throat and he's not thinking about your Vela's <laughs> hairs. He's really not. The only person that's looking at you that close to see them seriously you're about to have sex with or some sort of intercourse with. Otherwise, they, they're not looking at you that closely. Yeah. It's like when you get undressed in front of a group of beauty editors and you you know you've got to get your cellulite and your stretch marks out and really everybody's just conscious of their own Mm. bodies they're not that judgmental about you and if they are then they shouldn't be your friend anyway but I mean you know I've sat around pools of beauty editors who've got the most amazing bodies and they're all sitting there hunched over and they're insecure and like they're not people are too worried about their own insecurities mm. they're not judging you really they're no. not and by the way i didn't do all of this so they're not you noticing your velous hairs <laughs> on your face i've never noticed your velous hair <laughs> let alone your beard <laughs> <laughs> no it can't and some and i end up I, i'm like a, you know men who play with their moustache yeah and every so often you'll feel I'm something like that. i'm like and i can't let i go. never had them until i got older and went through the menopause, so I never really because it's hormonally driven, obviously. But I now count myself lucky that for the first fifty years of my life, I never had them because most people do have them and yeah. battle them their whole time. They just do. I remember being on a press trip once with Shoshana at Clarence with a whole group of beauty editors, and it didn't matter how old they were or what hair colour they were. The top topic of conversation was how they got rid of their facial hair. And at the time, <laughs> I, and I remember saying really smugly, I don't have any. And they went, oh, shut up, bagger. Count yourself lucky. And now I've got like four hairs I desperately need to get rid of. But that's why I've got my Philips Lumea, because the minute they come through, I feel them, I zap them. So, the way, so what you do is you don't shave and then wait or whatever. You just, as soon as you feel it coming through, individual zaps, yeah. not one long session. So no. my calendar alert on my I've phone. I've never had the patience to do my legs I can't be bothered so I've had all my bikini line done professionally and I zap that when it comes through and then if I've got I've got like five or six hairs if I feel them come through on my face I zap them the minute I feel them so you zap rather than pluck yeah no I zap 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 I know I zap each hair about 
six or seven times, even when it's under the skin, and then it breaks through the skin, and I zap it again, and then it starts to grow, and the minute it gets visible, I pluck it out. And then when it comes back in, I'll zap it again. But to be honest, if you zap it enough times, you'll just notice it'll come back finer, finer, mm. finer, finer, and then it'll disappear. Well, that was always the thing about waxing and electrolysis that'll come back finer. I could never do waxing because I always had the worst ingrown hairs. When I used to wax my bikini line in the 80s, it would look beautiful for a week, and then it would look like a teenager's spotty chin. I mean, it was <laughs> awful. The worst ingrown hair line. Worst ingrown. And that's why I had IPL on my bikini line. And... In all my 10 years as, as a beauty editor up until that point, IPL hair removal was the most revolutionary thing ever. It sounds counterintuitive, but I found that if you wax legs, bikini line, underarms, whatever, I mean, who waxes their underarms these days? But that used to be quite... Back in the day, it was the thing to do. I think a lot of people do. still do, actually. But the trick for me that I found, because ingrown hair is a real problem, is for the week after you have them waxed, shave and it exfoliates and it stops that skin becoming thick and preventing the new growth but when I had IPL hair removal not only did it stop my bikini line growing back the over large stretch pores just closed up so it was like hair had never been there you have to have you have to have professional hair removal it will change your life so in all my time as a beauty editor there have been two amazing things that have been developed laser hair removal and Botox Life, I mean, literal life changes. Interesting. That nothing else can mimic. They're I know, amazing. I now want to go and get IPL immediately. Oh, you have to go and have laser hair removal. You have to. It's, it's life-changing. But, I mean, I, I love the machines, the home machines for little areas. But in terms of large areas, you know, you need to go and have them. And those machines, the professional machines, are so much more powerful. I can do a lot of stuff at home. And I like, as you know, I do my own manicures. I do my own root touch-up. I actually trimmed my hair Yeah, I cut my own hair. I cut my fringe I cut my own hair. I colour my own hair. If I could do my own Botox, I would. Although, needless to say, this is completely worn off now. (laughs) And it's made me realise, actually, that I don't have heavy lids. I probably just have bad Botox. (laughs) And she said, pulling her eyelids up. Um... I feel like we've run the gamut. We have. It's one hour and 35 minutes. We need to shut up. We do. Because do we have dinner plans? We have. Edwina's just rung me and I've ignored it because we're talking. I know. Okay, we're going to have to sign off because I think we may have somebody waiting. Remember our taglines? Aging is tougher on women, so it's time to man up. That is so good. (laughs) I'm the only beauty editor who's always unfiltered. As you can hear, not only filtered visually but verbally too (laughs) don't hate me if you love oils now listeners i suspect that much like nadine's last visit to the show this will raise some questions so please do uh tweet us at emma guns at nadine baggett all the links etc will be in the show notes or if you want to send something that's longer than 140 characters then just whiz me an email to thebeautypodcast at gmail.com and nadine and i will get on the case and i suspect but it won't be long before I'm hassled on Instagram to record part three. And we need to get Sam Chapman on here and Joe Hoare on here. For sure. For sure, for sure. Thank you, Nadine, once more. I've had a blast. And let's go and have a cocktail and think up some more taglines. <laughs> this isn't work, this is pleasure. There you have it, Nadine Baggett, part two. And if you want part three... 
then definitely drop me an email to thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at Emma Guns. And you can also tweet Nadine at Nadine Baggett. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, please do get in touch with the show. But for now, thank you for listening and see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.